America, Reservoir Dogs, Funk and Pussy. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. He's still doing stuff today, and he's on TV and just just a legend. So thank you so much, Schooly D. Thank you so much for being here with us. I did send you an invite, so when you get a chance, just check that, and we'll get you up on stage. Uh, J6C6, where you at, buddy? I am right here. I'm so excited tonight. This uh, Schooly D character, he's always a blast. Uh, he's been, everybody's heard his music, whether it's been in, uh, you know, somebody else sampled him or, uh, his, one of his actual songs or, you know, in, in a movie or Aqua Teen Hungers, we are the Aqua Teens, make the homies say ho and the girlies want to scream. That's Schooly D. He wrote that shit and he sang that shit and he, his persona, his characters, even in a bunch of episodes, I shouldn't be giving up too much fast, too fast, but I'm super excited. Can you tell? Uh, and I'm also, also excited. We got Tuggy in the building. We got evie in the building i said it right this time let's see if she gives me the thumbs now all right we got miss henny in the building uh burn dog um it's gonna be a great show i'm still i'm still one two uh, i'll shut the fuck up now because schoolie's gonna tell me to shut the fuck up in a second <laughs> yeah we got hey what's up yo, so yeah yeah shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> so we, got, we got boo here also boo's got a great show and um uh, Liz too. She'll, she'll probably be showing up. She's got a great show too. They had a show on before ours, which is about music as well. Um, so real quick, um, before we jump in with Schooly, cause you know, we're going to talk with him in a little bit. Uh, let's get into the news real fast. Uh, a little bit of this music news. Um, so what you want to do? You want me to mute it up and come back at nine or just hang out? No, just hang out with us, man. We're just going to talk the news real fast. We go really quick. Quick, excuse me. We go really quickly here, and then we're going to jump right in. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you want to say anything, you you know, you feel free to speak. You know, you're you're good to go. You got carte blanche here, so you just whatever you want to do. It's no, no stress, man. All right, great. Uh, all right, cool, man. So uh, right now we're going to talk about Fatboy Slim. This is a dude that's a uh, old school, you know, old guy. Now uh, in his 60s, I think he just turned 60. I don't want to say old. Guy, I'm 62. Hey, hey, yeah, you guys are. I'm, I'm right. You guys are 10 years older than me, so I'm right behind you. Uh, not old at all, man. I meant like just older, dude. You know, OG, and uh, had a song called um, "Praise You Like I Should." Just a lot of great, great songs, this dude. Um, so right now he is dropping a uh, his 25th anniversary of his uh, that, you know original album that was out and uh, touring and everything like that. So uh, yeah, J6, you you got some stuff you wanted to talk about too about him, right? Oh, well, you know, I was just, to be honest with you, I was just Googling shit, trying to find stuff to talk about for this show. Uh, you probably don't <laughs> want to tell people that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I saw this thing, and, and so Fatboy Slim, I think it's called Right Here Right Now, is the album, and it's a uh, 25-year anniversary, as we were talking about, is, is at the end of uh, October. But, you know, as I was as I saw that in the news, um, I saw that he actually utilized the original uh, trip hop version of Praise You Like I Should used a Schooly D sample in it at uh, five minutes and 25 seconds, something like that. And I was like, wow, let me check that out. And sure enough, I uh, illegally downloaded it or actually no, that's not true. I used I used my mom's Spotify <laughs> account. Uh, you know, I said, you know, uh, she doesn't know I have the, the passcode, though, so don't tell her she doesn't listen to this show. And um uh, you know, I, I, promise, I, I promise I won't tell her, bro. <laughs> Yo, man, watch. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, five minutes and like 25 seconds there, I heard one of Schoolie's beats. I believe it was PSK. And it was pretty uh, it was pretty awesome. I was like, wow, I never knew that shit was in there. And I find that a lot. I just want to interject. I know we're not really on the Schoolie uh, subject yet, but, uh, you know, I, I DJ. I want to play that. 
Oh, uh, cool. Play it real quick. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, let me play this little snippet that, that we got. That's it. It's in there faint, though. That You could hear it, though. I don't know how good you can hear it on Twitter. But Schoolie, Schoolie's been sampled. That's it's just a zillion times, you know, which is um, we'll find out if that's like, uh, you know, he, he finds that, you know, good or bad, you know. What do you say, Schoolie, good or bad? Well, I was waiting for you to finish this shit. Oh, yeah? I'm <laughs> Jules, I'm, I'm well, I, was, I was talking to Jules earlier. He said, just hang out till 9 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, Jules is okay. such a little bitch. She's like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, come on. I, you can't talk to me. If, if, if I come in here, if I come in 15 minutes early, trust me, I'm going to hang up the phones. Like, man, what the fuck? Yo, man. <laughs> we're not, yo, we're not allowed to use that word in here, the, the phone word. The, the phone? What? We're not allowed to say phone oh. in here. This is oh. it's a watch space. But you can say bitch though. Bitch is cool. I'm the sorry. Fuck is wrong with you, man? I'm hanging <laughs> up now. <laughs> oh shit, dude. So yeah, man, schoolie's been sampled a million times. And uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, and I, I guess, you know, it is um, you know, people pay paying homage, you know, like to the to the OGs and the pioneers of the game, which is what they're yeah, supposed and to do. Mo- and money. And money, and, <laughs> and you're making it you're getting a check too, which is great. So um, yeah, how do you, how do you feel about that? Like the first time that you heard uh, one of your songs being sampled, uh, you know, how did how, how did it hit you like that? Um, well, I had a lawyer named um, Arthur Mann, and um, um, this is I didn't want to sign a deal with RCA because they they wanted to do publishing, and I didn't. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to buy your publishing from you and sell sell it back to you in five years because the first thing these record labels try to do is distributors try to do, they try to steal your publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said to me, he said, I'm so protected because when you buy it back from me, it's going to be worth a million dollars because your, your style is so different that nobody, people sample because they can't reproduce that sound and they can't reproduce the vibe or that error. And I didn't get it. I was just, cause I was still being the artist and being me. And, um, then the Beastie Boys record came out, mm-hmm. um, and he sampled Gucci Time, and and I had to pretend because everybody thought it was a huge deal. I had to pretend like it was a, when once I heard the sample, I had to pretend like I thought it was a huge deal. But it was to me, it was kind of just like, well, that's what hip hop artists do. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have there was no time for me to sit back and enjoy it because that's what hip hop artists do, and um, I was working on Saturday. I was working on my second album, so I was just, I just kind of played it and set it aside and didn't listen to it for years. Didn't. Um, um, I think it's the ones that people try to get away with that really hit me. Um, but just, just as far as the beat, as far as the first time I heard, heard it, it was cool. But like I said, it just didn't, it didn't register. Like it was, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't register like that was going to be the top of the of the heap, and that was just a cherry. And everything came after, like a couple of years after that, everything as it kept going on and on and on. And when it started going to other genres outside of rap, and then I started to really like when Case did it, and then Susie and the Banshees did it, and Chemicals Brother did it. And, you know, saying it's some, some gospel and then start showing up on television and commercials and, and video games. And, you know, that's when it all well, sat back one day, maybe 
10, 15 years ago, look, look, looked at the body of work that how my work um, touched all genres of music. That's what hit me. Not, not the first time I heard it because I was too, I was too busy. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing in itself. The, the amount of times that it's been sampled and, um, and, you know, hip hop to hip hop and then hip hop to all the other genres of music. I mean, that is an amazing homage. You know, that's just a, like, I don't know what you want to call that. You know, it's something special to me. And I, 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 I kind of understand what you're saying, like in the beginning when it didn't hit you, cause you're just kind of like busy doing other things. And then I think now, like probably in your later years, when you look back at all that, it's got to give you like a, an amazing feeling, you know, of euphoria that all these plus, you know, you know, your, your pockets got lined with, you know, uh, residuals from the um, publishing. Um, and, you know, for the, the rights to be, you know, for them to use your, your, your song and their song. I mean, that's just amazing in itself. Just, you know, crazy. Well, I think it's, it's crazy because it's just, it's like, it's like when I grew up, people read the liner notes of, um, of the record. So they knew, you know, cause you know, we had to read the liner notes because that's what we, oh, back yeah. in the day, we had to, because we, that's what we, that's what you separated the, your weed from the, from, from the stems and from the, <laughs> and from the seeds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, so all those, uh, uh, when you opened up, you know, the Buddy Miles record or, or the Funkadelic record, you know what I'm saying? Or the Slide record or, uh, or, you know what I'm saying? Or war yes. or something like that. You had you you you, you folded it back up, and you emptied the and you emptied out the seeds, and you rolled up your weed. And what you gonna do? You sitting there rolling rolling up your joint? Yeah, and you're, you're reading the reading the liner notes. Yeah, reading. Um, it. I, I find I find it like like with hip hop. No, it's like not a lot of people read the liner notes. So I still a lot, a lot of people didn't know I created the music. Like I play I play schoolie style five instruments. Yeah, that's great. Dude. Um, and, and, like nobody knew I wrote the music because I guess, I guess back then is that when it was when it was Sugar Hill and Enjoy Records, it was like they had a band, they had Pumpkin and Friends. They came in and they did all the music, and then um, later on, on Def Jam and Rick Rubin, they had producers do all the music, and then right after that, I guess my era, the the DJ made all the beats and the rapper did rapping and they had big daddy Kane write all the lyrics it was it was nobody like me who was doing who, it all who doing you know but but it's like it was i was i was born to be like that i fired my first band when i was nine because you know i wanted to i wanted to grow up i wanted to grow up and be a rock star and it was like and then the band as i fired them as they walked out it was like man fuck you and good luck <laughs> I said, well, good luck with what? Playing all the instruments. <laughs> That's awesome. It's really amazing. Uh, you, you did all the music in no. the beginning. And this is like, so uh, I'm going to bring everybody into this too, because okay. so people that are like not familiar with hip hop, um, Schoolie is a, a pioneer in hip hop from Philadelphia. There was uh, New York was, was where I think originated in New York in the Bronx. Yeah. And then it's kind of spread out. I think it was, it was just, it was everywhere pretty much once it started to, to spread but schoolie coming from philly there was a whole bunch of people that came underneath you as well which were great I, we can talk about philly hip-hop too but just amazing that you did all of the music you did the artwork for it you yeah. put it out independently you didn't have anybody doing it for you you no. put it out independently and just i remember it was just i went berserk because like the 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 as soon as that as soon as the kick drum came in 
Yeah. I was like, it just hits you in the chest. You know what I mean? At least for me. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was, and I, that was like 13. So we had like, you know, run DMC, run DMC's album, rock box and all that shit and jam acid J yeah. and, and then, and then schoolie, you know, I was just, just, yeah. I mean, they're just amazing. So that's awesome that you were able to do all that stuff and you're still doing, you're still, you're, 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 you're still doing art. You're yeah. still making music. Yeah. You're doing TV shows. You're yeah. doing all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, well, well, it's you know when I you know when I was a child, you know, I said I'm gonna do this for life. You're, I'm an artist for life, and and as I try to explain to people, it's like um, I'm an artist who raps. I'm not a rap artist. And here's 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 is a, a visual. I'm a I'm an artist who raps. Chuck D is an artist who raps. Egyptian Lover is an artist who raps. Biggie is a rap artist. I love Cool J. Is a rap artist. Jay Z, they're rap artists. There's, there's not one better than the other, but they're different. If you can see what I'm saying. Yeah, I know what you mean. Totally. Know so, so and, and and for a couple of years, I got wrapped up into like trying to be a rap artist and to test it out. It, it just, it just didn't fit because you know, as much as I love. Marley Marl. It's like I was never going to be Marley Marl. I was never going to be like Will Smith is a rap artist. He's not an artist who rap. He's a rap, you know, and a rap artist entertainer. They're going to do exactly what the ear of the public really wants at that point. And and, and the really good ones are phenomenal, like Will Smith. Phenomenal, like big. You know, people respond to him right away. They get the pulse. But the artist who raps is, you know, how artists go. <laughs> We gotta go through our depression. We gotta go. We, some of us are manic depressive, which I am. Some, you know, it's, 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 so some of us want to go through our blue period, like you know, like John Coltrane's song "Music and Colors." And um, um, I remember it could be ten, about ten, maybe fifteen years ago. I finally got him sitting in the studio um, late and working with some other cats, and all of a sudden, it was like, got to about four thirty in the morning, and um, and the room just started changing colors as as I'm sitting there like, holy shit, this is what, what John Coltrane was, was was talking about. I mean, you know, we were smoking weed too and drinking, but I'm just so I'm just saying it was like us being like Chuck D being an artist and school being an artist who raps. It's like that's just something that that's just another thing that that, that comes out of us and it's explaining our art to the people. And I, and um being a gangster who raps, and what I did was gangster. Without without the without the cartoons and the visual, I think it would have been it would have been way too dark. It would have been way too dark. And it, and it, um, I took advice from Booty Collins, and it was just like, man, and I and also I was like a, a huge fan of Pedro Bell, rest in peace, and Overton Lloyd, and some of the things that that were on um, uh, the Westbound. Era of Funkadelic, and that was some. That was, they did some heavy shit, but it was it's some heavy it was, shit for real. But, it, but but it was but it was it was lightened by the artwork, and and the artwork explained exactly where these where these cats were. So I um, I adopted. That's what I wanted to do when I was thinking. Like again, when I started making records when I was a kid, and the, the artwork is going to explain it because I know I was an artist, and you know, and um. And I freaked, I freaked out my homies sometimes. It was like, dude, what the fuck? They didn't understand, you know, you know 
couple of years and shit, I just go missing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, you know, I moved, I go to Atlanta just to go paint. Um, didn't come back to the hood. It's like, where the fuck was you at? I was, I was painting. Motherfucker, what the fuck do you think it was doing? You know, <laughs> none, 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 none of your goddamn business. But um, it was the art of my album covers and um, the music that had to be, it had to be the same. It had to be the same intensity in two different ways. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it, man. It's That's dope, dude. I mean, so much, so much going on here. I, I want to ask you. I mean, dude, Parliament, like talking to Bootsy Collins, uh, giving you advice, like that's uh, just like, like what the, you know what I mean, like in a good way, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to know. I want to dive deep. I want to go back. I want to go backwards a little bit. What? Um. So, back when you started doing hip hop, okay, what? there was the. Uh, first, I want to know what drum machine were, were you using? Was it a nine oh nine? Was it the eight oh eight? It started out with the Doctor Rhythm. Doctor Rhythm, T was it, was, it, was, it was like a little small Doctor Rhythm, and um, um, one of the crew had it, and um, because we were we were just like we were because we were um, beholden to the like in, in New York it was the rapper then the DJ in Philly it was the DJ then the rapper, mm. so it was like the DJ the in New York it was like the DJ listened to what the whatever the rapper wanted to wanted to do, but in Philly. The rapper had to like wait and see what whatever the DJ was going to do. So um, we got we we got kind of tired of that shit. So uh, so we went down to Funkamore and um bought like a cheap Doctor Rhythm, and that worked for a little while. But it was kind of like you know we were kind of uh, me and Warrior Ryan were kind of like fighting over. So the next the next thing we said fuck it, we invested into a a nine oh nine. The whole crew chipped in, and um, so. They just looked at they, they, they looked at me because I was a musician. I was you know I played drums and, and guitar and it was like well you take it home and you figure it out. That's the last they seen of that shit. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to interject real quick in case right. anybody wasn't knowing the nine oh nine Roland is the yeah. company Roland yeah. yeah. TR nine oh nine yeah TR nine oh nine and then the eight oh eight came and that I'm we're gonna get into this because like you know Mantronics too was like yeah. you know jumping it was just an amazing era that you were a part of that that's just so incredible to me um so you you you, you with the the what was it again the, the dr beat dr rhythm dr rhythm it was like and a handheld I, and it was cool it was, it was, it was, black, it was cool right? yeah it was it was small it was black and gray yeah i kind of remember this little drum but it was like it was cool but it was it was very limited it was it was fun for about a week yeah. and then and then, and then everybody awesome. then everybody found then everybody found and all the all the crews in philly found it like everybody everybody started Grabbing Doctor Rhythms, yes, um, and it was just like I was like, well, you know, and you know, something my father said. It's like you're either a novice or a professional, and you know, and it was like I carried records around for two years, um, so I was no longer. I just I wanted to be a professional after that. Did you want uh, DJ as well back then? Yeah, we all had a DJ. You couldn't, yeah, you, you, couldn't you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't roll up in the ranks. Without doing both, you had to figure out like which one you did better. Okay. But we all had to carry records. That's right. You know? who, who influenced you? Like, like you're part of my influence, right? You're part of that era. I won't say the um, uh, the funky, like, um, hearing Grandmaster Flash the message. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. That was that was that was awesome. But I heard the funky four plus one rapping and rocking the house and Spoonie G. 
love rap and spooning rap. They they spoke to me more because they were they were kind of crude, and they felt like something that um, that you would hear at the corner bar or you would see here at a block party. Um, uh, Run DMC and um, um, Grandmaster Flash was something that you know it was like it was great, but it was just like I knew I was I didn't want to make polished. I didn't want to make polished music like that. It was great to listen to them, and I, and I understood how people loved it. But I like I like stuff that's like just a little bit crude, a little bit grimy. Yeah, a little bit grimy, a little bit like um, all the words don't have to be pronounced perfectly. Um, it doesn't have to stay at ninety nine beats per per second for five for, for five minutes. It can go from ninety nine to one hundred six. Back to ninety nine, give that live feel, um, give that basement feel. Um, so I responded to those guys, and they were talking about smoking weed, doing black, driving around in cars, and crashing them, and fucking, um, you know, it was kind of like, um, and also just, it was no way, it was no way, because I'm also a Richard Pryor fan, it was no way, it was no way for me to be Richard Pryor and have those slick beats like like Run DMC and um, um, Grandmaster Flash had. And those, and those and it was great because those, with them being on the radio was great and also bad because all of a sudden everybody wanted to be um, run DMC and try to get on the radio. And then this, and that, I think that was like the, the first wave. Then the second, second or third wave, which I'm a part of, we didn't like me, LL Cool J, uh, Beastie Boys, um, uh, Public Enemy, um, uh, Rakim, Irvine's president. Um, there was there was there was some cats Roxanne who just Shante. Roxanne Shante, UTFO, UTFO, who didn't. No, I think I know. I think I think UTFO was. They had that radio, that, but that was that was a radio track. But nothing yeah. against it, but that was radio. True to that. You know, that was like radio. Mantronics was he wasn't radio. You know, yeah. saying so you have to be in the. You have to really be in the clubs. I'm talking about the stuff, the people in the clubs and in the street. It was, it, was, it, was, it was obviously about a separation. And thank God for the second wave like us because because we because kids ain't stupid. <laughs> and, you know, it was like we knew that the majority of rap that they were playing on the radio was all of a sudden being produced by people, you know, 20, 30 years older than us who probably shouldn't be producing rap records. It was great that they helped start it, but it was like it wasn't gonna. The Sylvia Robinsons and the Joe Robinsons, they weren't gonna. They they weren't gonna like keep it around. They were they wanted to make a buck real quick. Yeah, they were trying and, to. And 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 just like redo some old uh, R and B songs, which they really loved. Which is um, what they did, you know, like which, that. Which, that which, what they did, but but the thing is, it had to become it had to become our business. We had to produce it. We had to produce it. That was the that was the next that was the next level. We had to produce it. That was it. The APMDs and stuff. It was like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, in one summer, you start hearing like 30, 40 different styles come from all from New York to Boston to um, Miami to Two Live Crew to me to Atlanta. All of a sudden, it was just like plow. And the only way that was going to happen was if we didn't care about. Um, we didn't care about like giving some um, 
some some programmer five hundred dollars to play a record once for thirty seconds and, that, and have us laugh and then laugh us out the building and then go back to and then go back to playing uh, uh, Marvin Gaye. You know that and that's what that's what was happening. And um and back then they had the thing called it was like the it was like the it was like street cred it was street cred because they had the, they had the street reporter. And what the what the radio stations did was just they would just call the record shops. It was called Funko Mart, talk to Chino, or sound the market. They say, "Well, what's what's popping?" And then we give them the top twenty-five songs. And all of a sudden, you know, because um, we were still competing with um, with Marvin Gaye and Michael Jackson and Luther Vandross and Penn, all of a sudden it was even, even. You know, you found you found you know twelve hip hop songs selling just just as much as the, the the Michael Jackson songs that week. You know what I'm saying? So that that's 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 why they start playing um um PSK and shit like that because you know they would they were just like, you know, um they, it, it wasn't gonna go anywhere if I was trying to make the message for. You know you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, where when was the first time you heard your, your song on the radio? When was um, that? Um nineteen I made a record in nineteen 82, which was a tape, it was called Gangsta Boogie. Um, in 1983, 84, I put it on record. That was my first school with the record. It was Maniac. Um, so I'm going to say 1980, late 83, early 84. Mm-hmm. was the first time I heard myself on the radio, and it was fucking amazing. That's it's just, I don't care. You know what? I'm just going to say, it's like, I don't know fuck about, it's like, it's like, I, you know what? I listen, I don't, I don't, Listen to the radio every day. I listen to jazz, or but I listen to, I listen to like I still listen to like Mimi, the weekend shows, Nick shows, because they still play the best hip hop. Yeah. Um, but normally I, I listen to, I listen to like YouTube, um, because I can just mix. I have my own YouTube station. I, I put all my uh, my best records and I upload my stuff, so I can just put my mixes on and ro- roll around the house doing what I want to do. But still, it's just something about it's just something um, about the radio that makes it really cool. And I just did a song from uh, G Love, Love from Philly, and I heard it on on YouTube first. And then one day I was walking down the street and I heard this, these cars were just like driving by and they were playing on the radio. And one of my homies just had to be coming up the street. This is like. Not like eight months ago, like and just and, got, and I got in and just sound still. It just sounds so much better when you hear a song on the radio. It's just the it's the tubes it's compression compression is just something. It's just something about it. It's not and it's not just all nostalgic. Hearing hearing yourself on the radio is still is still fucking important, and that's because that's what that's what radio was made for. And I think uh, yeah, so you know, so so go back to I still get excited. I still get just excited as hearing something new played on the radio as I did in 1983, 84 the first time. That's great, man. You mentioned G Love, that G Love of special sauce and special yeah. sauce. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. Uh it's amazing that you you mentioned because I had some ten inches from back in the day. Uh, you know, when he was popular, popular and he had the cold beverage, I think it was a song and yeah. a couple other cool things that he had that's dope that you're working with him um i haven't heard that name in forever in a day bro for real um 
wanted to jump um, after you, after like 84, 85, when, you know, um, you started getting into doing Saturday night and then, you know, right after that, um, it was smoke some kill, right? Yeah. Okay. First of all, I got inclination. For, okay. Let me go back. Let me go back real, right. real fast. PSK. Cause I wanted to ask you this. Oh. So I'm from Miami. Originally, you mentioned two live crew. Um, Mr. Mix from two live crew is like uh, one of my really good friends. Like okay, I, we should, we should tour all the time with, with, uh, with two live. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, so Hobbs, Mr. Mix, he's my mentor. He's the one that I really got. That's, he's the main reason why I got into DJ and I was like maybe 12, 13. And it just was a blessing to be able to be around those guys. I still speak to him to today, bro. We're, you know, that's some that's he's still, he's still DJing, yeah. scratching with his dick. Uh, he ain't doing all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's not doing that, but he's still, dude, he's still, you know, out there doing it. He's torn DJing and whatnot. Yeah. And you I know, they have, I love Mr. Mix. Yeah, such a good dude and amazing producer in himself. Like mm. classics, bro. Come on, like the two. Uh, if it wasn't for uh, him, they, it wouldn't have been that. You know, when those guys were coming from California, ghetto um, style DJs. Yeah, ghetto <laughs> style DJs. Don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> so. Bro, I, okay, so PSK, so, you know, we always would hear rumors, man, like, you really? know, one funny rumor is, like, Kid Capri made a million dollars selling mixtapes, you know, back when mixtapes were mixtapes. Yeah. He, he actually said, no, he didn't. That's a BS. I, but we heard PSK, Parkside Killers. Is that yeah. what it is? Because you don't say it yeah. actually in the song. Yeah. At least I don't think you do. You say so, you, you're talking about it as in a different way. I'm like, oh, he's, he's you know, no, you know. Kind of, that's what it is. It. Yeah. Parkside Killers, man. PSK. Everybody, go listen to um, Old School Schoolie D. Parkside, uh, Parkside Killers. PSK. Also Gucci Time. Amazing. Check the artwork as well. We're not done here. We're just getting started. Mm -hmm. But make sure you write that down. I don't want anybody to forget. Um, now I want to jump a little bit forward here to. Um, well, first I wanted to mention also I forgot to is DJ Code Money. That was that's your DJ still, and he was your DJ back then as well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. How did you guys meet? How did that come together? Um. Well. Um, I was uh, I was uh, just finished my second single and I didn't like it, and I was just kind of just like I just, you know, I'm prone to firing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, <clears throat> Cole was part of the crew, but he was still in high school, so he was like, I think he was like the youngest, and we really didn't see each other because, you know, um. When I was when I was um, we had this one rehearsal spot. When I was at the rehearsal spot, you know, of course he was home studying for class. Um, so one day, after I fired all the DJs, um, he walked up to me and said, "Hey man, I heard you're looking for a new DJ. Um, I think I'm ready." Um, he's been trained by the Disco Ren, um, who trained all of us. He said, "I think I'm ready." I said, "Well, prove it." So he walks me to his grandmother's house and he had like one of those big consoles and he starts scratching fresh. And the second he was just like, you know what? Okay. And um, I already had um, the Gucci Town beat I already had and I already had the PSK and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And then later that day, um, uh, Lynn's brother, Ab brother Abdul, <laughs> drove up, drove up on the side with his Cadillac his, Drove him on the side of the sidewalk, jumped out, and said, Schooly, 
all that motherfucking Gucci shit. You need to write a song about Gucci, bitch. And come back in his car and just took off. <laughs> I said, what the fuck was that shit? And, and, then, was and then five minutes later, my man, um, um, Manny, uh, who lives across the street, he just, he just walked out and said, yo, man, I just heard these motherfuckers from New York talking about that New York shit, man. Why don't you write a song about Parkside? Why don't you write a song about the killers, man? Yeah. And then just walk back in the house. I said, you know what? This is a sign from God. <laughs> this is a sign. I always look for this. This is a sign from God. And I went back in the house, and um, what I used to do is, um, I used to, um, well, my mother used to go to sleep, and I would like light a cigarette, and so and just roll some joints. So she was, she would just smell the cigarette, not the weed. And um, I wrote P.S. King Gucci time that day. And then the next week, we went and recorded it. Man, that's so awesome. So yeah. awesome. So that's what was going on during that time. You guys were just young and just yeah. having fun with this music. And it just was something, like you said, you were nine, nine years old, had the band and whatnot. And it was in you. It was just in you, man. You had the the soul. You had that that yeah. that feeling, that vibe. That, that's just amazing. And and like I, I can say amazing a million times because uh. it truly is remarkable that you're started there and you're still that we're having this conversation right i never in a million years would i have thought that i'm talking to school ed ever right today or watch as jules told you i died no <laughs> <laughs> yo man come on yo school man these people like you know in this room like well no wait they don't have any respect for me anyway go ahead <laughs> uh yeah but you know because like you're one of my childhood heroes you know in, in this music game uh, especially in hip hop, you know, so yeah, I'll say a million times you're amazing and it's amazing that we're here talking. So God bless. I feel blessed to, to have this combo with you. Um, thanks for talking about code money as well. Uh, I want to jump now to, to, um, smoke some kill. This is when you got signed to jive records or you signed to jive record. However it worked, you got to jive records. A lot of Philly groups were signed to jive as well. Um, I know, uh, uh, Jeff and uh, and Will Fresh uh, Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince, He's, uh, Steady B I think was on there. Cool yeah. C might have been on there too. I like really really dope. Like during the time during that era, uh, run uh, uh, Russ uh, Russell. Uh, well, I can't speak. Russell Simmons had yeah. uh, Def Jam. You know, <clears throat> after yeah. they split, you know, with Rick and whatnot. Why Jive and not a more of a hip hop um, situated label like Def Jam? Well, Def Jam did try to sign me. What happened? Um, well, I didn't. I didn't take kindly to to Russ trying to like, you know, try to like, you know, punk me. Mm. You know, we pulled up with forty motherfuckers at a concert talking about I want to. And caught me by myself. Just caught me with a couple of cats. Me, my lawyer, code. He was like, "Man, I want to. I want to buy your record." <laughs> and I guess he thought those forty more black motherfuckers were gonna scare me. <laughs> I was like, what? SK. I was like, I ain't selling my record. You can't buy my fucking record. So he just wanted to buy it. He didn't want to. He didn't want to sign okay. the label. He just well, wanted to. Well, buy well, it. well, well, Rick. Um. Oh, I, I wish I would have worked with Rick Rubin. I wanted to work with him, but he called me up. And we had a meeting, and Rick Rubin was just like, Man, you know, we want to give you a ten thousand dollar advance. So I was like, Rick, my shoes cost ten thousand dollars. What the fuck is he talking about? 
So crazy. <laughs> I have my own label. All the all the money comes to me. You have to do. You have to do better than that. And they wanted to sell me like, you know, points. I was like, dude, it's like I don't need points. He didn't know that you knew. Yeah, I just I don't I don't need points, and I and you know I'm signing artists to my label to school, so not that I wanted to, but I guess I, I like I had to to keep keep the label going. But it's, it's like, I, and that 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 goes to, um, you can't you can't you can't offer an artist something that's not crazy good. And you can rap, you can, you can, you can offer an entertainer that stuff. You can promise them like, you know, like Cadillacs and, and cocaine and, and being, being on TV. And, and, you know, when they, when they ask me, don't you want, don't you want your grandmama to see you on TV? I'm like, my grandmama don't even like me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck is you talking about? No, I don't care if my grandmother see me on TV. You know, they were, they were trying to come at me with that, with the same thing. See, and, I, and I have lots of friends in New York, and I tell them, said, "This is, this is, this is why school and people that have never worked in New York." And they keep asking me. I just was up at SOBs last week doing a um, 50th anniversary thing, and, and I love it because it's um, like New York. They're my brothers, but. That we're not like we're, we're from two different. We got either different mother or a different father, but we're brothers. Um, and it was just, it's like I couldn't be from from New York because New York had already established what it was going to be. To to get signed in New York, you got to have an agent, you got to have a lawyer, you got to sign to these three labels, and that was it. And, and you know, and, and and got your points. And it was like that. That was, and then everybody. Even though everybody had a different style, they all worked with Marty Marr or the Juice Crew or or Big Daddy Kane was writing their lyrics. You, you understand what I'm saying? That they already they already had a machine, and it was like and if and for hip hop or rap to survive, everybody else in the rest of the country had to figure out their own style. You understand what I'm saying? We we were inspired by New York, but it was no way. And you heard. Then when you heard somebody from Detroit or even from Philly or from down south or West Coast try to sound like a New York rapper, it failed miserably. It didn't work. It wasn't authentic. It wasn't. It was a, just like just like for years, it was like it was like the English cats in the UK trying to make hip hop, and they didn't because they tried to sound I American. It. I hate and, it. And, and, and that's why the that's why German hip hop. Um, and, and hip hop in, 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 in Amsterdam, you know what I'm saying? That's why that sounds so good because they, they were just like, you know, they, they took the sampling, but they, they, made it, they, they came up with their own flow. So it was like, it was no way, it was, it was no way um, School of D was, was going to be, would come out of um, New York because, like I said, it was like, it was A, I was, I was I'm an artist. And it was, you know, saying they, if they would have offered me maybe ten thousand dollars in time on a satellite, you know what I'm saying? Satellite space, you know what I'm saying, or a moon rock, I might have went with that shit. But it was like, but ten thousand dollars, you can't artist, you can't. I wasn't. I, um, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, it, even if you, even if you are, even if you, if you offer an artist that the artist. Is going to be ripping you off. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, just but, not enough. But, but the entertainer is going to get ripped off. 
because he's because he's because he wants to be on TV. He wants to get. He's thinking about pussy in a Cadillac. He's thinking he about. You know, he wants the fame. Not not the artists. We want the fame, but we want the fame for our art. And those conversations, when you have conversations, I'm just going to keep it to music. When record labels have conversations with artists, like like like, let's say Shadag, and her story, she was like, you know, she's an artist and. She was just like, you know what? The fame and everything is great, but I need the label and I need to keep my own masters. That's an artist. You know what I'm saying? And um, so when, when they were talking to me, they were talking to me. They thought I was like this young thug from Philly who just kind of happened on to like something hot. And I was like, nah, dude, I've been thinking about this shit all my life. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this, it's, it's, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And when you say that, people look at you like, like you're insane, and that and that and that was my testing point. The more people thought I was insane because I told them I was an artist and I was going to do it for the rest of my life. Um, I didn't want to sign with them, and I didn't really want to sign with Job. The only reason why I signed with Job is because everybody was signing with Job. The distributors were not paying me my money because I'm trying. I couldn't convince them that I wasn't signing with Job because it was like, well. You have to, because in the, in the distribution world, uh, especially back then, it's just kind of like they want to see you succeed, but they'd rather like see you not succeed so they can keep your money. So it's like, okay, you sent us, you sent us a hundred thousand copies, um, but if we want another fifty thousand copies, if you have if you you have to send the fifty thousand copies before we send you that hundred thousand. Yeah, for hundred thousand, and say, wait a minute, I need the money from the hundred thousand, and say, well, you shit out of luck. <laughs> it doesn't stop. It's crazy too because. And, but the thing is, is I started flying around the country collecting. <laughs> okay. And they were kind of like, "Dude, you got some fucking balls." Because <laughs> we the mob, they were the mob. Yeah. And we the mob, but. It got kind of like after about I feel like six months of that it was kind of just like it just you know they were just like you know what dude just just sign my job and you know don't you know we'll we'll send you your money but but I had like you know I had I did have like you know a, a little literally like one hundred twenty five thousand copies of uh, uh, <laughs> Saturday Night Biscuit just kind of like sitting around waiting to be uh, shipped. And Job was just like, well, you don't have any more records, do you? <laughs> were you, so you were distributing your own stuff at this time, right? Yeah, I'm still, still, still distributing. But so was, were you going through a main distributor, like Traffic Entertainment or Fat Beat, so to speak? I know that's that's way afterwards. but like, That's way afterwards. I was yeah, always doing, but, but I I was doing like the Sports yeah. Brothers and all those guys. Okay, so that... that yeah, I was doing the, 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 the main guys. Geez. I was doing with the guys who were distributing like Michael Jackson and Tommy Boy. Um, yeah. Did you ever distribute through Jeff Basson? Basson Distributors? Do you remember that? It sounds familiar. They were a big, big distributor down here in Miami. Yeah, because uh, because because Luke got me a deal down there. I got stories, but I probably yeah. I can't tell them. We can tell, yeah, we can tell those stories. Um, yeah. That, that's um, great. Okay, so but, so so I wound up, and it felt just it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. I remember just. Giving him the check back, I was like, "Dude, I'd rather just, I'd rather stick it out for a year." But I had like, you know, I took the check back and said, "You know, 
you know, get a call from Chris and the sports and those guys and like all nervous because, you know, he's like, dude, you got like 13 employees and you got to, you know, you have to pay these people. They can't, they can't wait. You can't wait. You can wait it out. I can wait it out for a year, but, but, you know, and so, um, so job wound up giving me more money, um, which was cool because I didn't ask for it. I was like, and, um, I got to, you know, um, I got to keep those the people with because they the, the the people who worked in hip hop back then also worked with punk rock, you know it was like punk rock and hip hop and it was it was cool and and they believed in the music because nobody else believes in it, you know what I'm saying? So the people who who worked they 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 like they left jobs to come support me. So it was that was that was the weird a weird part of my life. And somebody told me. When you get there, you know that's when you, that's when you become a man or a woman, a, a fucking grown up. When other when you have people dependent on you financially, and these people got kids, they got you know tuitions and all that kind of shit. You start making those decisions. Um, that's that was deep for like somebody that's twenty five, you know. Um, so yeah, so so you know, I did the deal with job. I never felt comfortable, and they never felt comfortable. They never. No, we never, we, us and me and Job never felt comfortable. Understood. Now, we when never, you had some good label mates, man, KRS one was there, dude. You had Tribe Called Quest was there. And I liked all those guys, but yeah. it was, we didn't spend time together. Did you guys ever, so you guys, did, oh, I was going to ask you if you, if you ever toured with any of your label mates, was it? We, we did, we did stuff together, but again, it was like they were, it was, it was, it was a, it was a it was an oddly breaking up of like, like I said, it was like rap artists and artists who rap. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I was definitely an artist who rap. Um, and it was like, um, like I did one-offs, but I was touring with like Big Audio Dynamite and Fishbone. You, you, you dig what I'm saying? Yeah, dude, that's awesome. So, <laughs> so, so I was representing, I was, you know, uh, hanging out with the Dead Kennedys and shit like that. So I was. Wow, dude. You were um, playing with so, some punk, punk bands, bro. Yeah, because it was because because that's like I said at that time, hip hop and punk was like like hardcore hip hop and punk was hardcore hip hop and punk. It was like together, you know. Um, that's awesome. And then then you had and then you had the stylish stuff, the the stuff that was very stylish, um, um, like when like uh, Eric Bear's president and all that stuff. But then when he came up with the second album. I know you got sold and all that stuff. All the stuff became, everything became very slick over this way. And then it was like, um, um, uh, I remember seeing Too Short um, in Oakland. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah. it was, it was de- all of a sudden it was definitely something was turning. Yeah, he was like you too. I mean, he yeah. was selling records out of his trunk. Like, yeah, something was, shit was, shit was, shit was turning. Shit was turning again. Yeah. It was like another, it was, it was like another, it was like another dimension. Yeah, he would. That's right. He was on Jive as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, man. Okay. So, dude, Smoke Some Kill comes out. And first of all, I, you know, talking about marijuana, or are you talking about like uh, marijuana and something else? No, just about marijuana. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, so I was yeah, yeah, marijuana. Yeah. Some I of my you. friends were like dust, and some other motherfuckers was doing like code. And got, well, I'm yeah. not say nobody's name, but there was. It was doing like, um, 
laces and the laces and it's cracked. Some kicked and, up and, joints. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. I hear that. From out the high. Oh God, leak. They were smoking leak. They smoking some uh, sherm. Yeah. yeah. Back then. Yeah. Getting it in, getting it in for real, dude. Yeah. Okay, so smoke some kill, and then you had a song on smoke on this album, smoke some kill. This was '88, so it is like uh, the four, what three, four, four years. Uh, afterwards um yeah. when, you, when you were doing your own thing so you have a uh, song here. you mentioned richard pryor which is like you know uh, yeah my dad had richard pryor records i remember sneaking in and listening to like bicentennial uh, nigger, and, yeah. yeah i don't want to say it you know but yeah. um you had a song on here from uh, called signifying rapper so i rudy uh, Ray four right the yeah. monkey so um this was another comedian influence yeah you were yeah. watching yeah. some black exploitation flicks and all that stuff yeah um, yeah, this is great. And so what was the, what for you, um, how did this, when this album came out, what was, what was the deal? Like, what was the situation with, with the record labels at that time? Um, well, the record label wanted me to be, they, they didn't understand what, they thought that black was only one way. And I remember having a talk with those guys at Barry Weiss. I was just like sitting there in the room with a bunch of white guys. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Father told me, can't nobody white tell a black man how black he is? <laughs> the fuck is so crazy? And he looked at me like, they knew I was right. But they were kind of like, well, don't you, we have to figure out a way to get you on black radio. I'm like, no, we have to figure out how to make good music. And they, yeah, what did Because they had a... Um, like I said, they were in New York, so they had a template, you know, them to give it to Red Alert, you know, chuck chill out, and then they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then, 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 they, then they pay off some guys, and then all of a sudden you go out, and you, um, then they try to get you on like one, you know, one of the rap tours, and and that, that and that's all they understood. It was like this is, this is our thing, and I was just like, dude, it's like you can't. You knew the fuck I was when, and I tried to tell you that. I tried to tell those motherfuckers not to sign me. I said, God, I'm not, you know, not going to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> what would you have done? I mean, you would have just continued doing your own, right? Yeah. Because after after Smoke Some Kill, you did Am I Black Enough for You? And that was your label and Jai was distributing, right? So it went, yeah. back, your, it went back to Schooly D Records, and then they just were distributing it, right? Yeah, but it was still, but they, but they, 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 didn't, they didn't understand that either. It was like it was, it was like they knew how to make money. They, they, they they, music, yeah. And it was like they didn't understand art or poetry. And it was just like, dude, it was like, um, this is my shot. This is this is my shot to be exactly who I am and all of who I, all of who I am. You know what I'm saying? It was like I, I was. It was like um, like George. How George? It was like a George Clinton move. Like George Clinton. He had like Brides of Funkenstein, he had Bootsy's Rubber Band, he had Fred Wesley, he had Funkadelic, he had, you know what I'm saying? It, it was, he had like five five groups and they all had a different type of vibe and voice, but they were still a black band and other people understood that. And I was trying to make these guys understood I'm still a black band, but I have like all these entities, but I just don't have, I don't have five, I don't have four different labels to put these entities in. I don't have this year, so. It's going to be one album. It's going to be black exploitation. One album is going to be rock and roll. When I and they just looked at me, just like well, we can't do that. That's 
it was it's how did that make you I, feel like because you you like you were in so control of like doing um and then they tell you fuck i was right? just i was like, fuck you i was out but see i i own, own most of my stuff and i was just like in the mindset of just like look man you know it's like it's it's like i'm gonna try to rob you before you rob me <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was it that was it once once you get into that business once you get into the business with those major labels, it's like, I'm going to try to rob you before you rob me. And I'm fucking out because you know I'm going to be fucking out. Yeah, so you know what I'm saying? So, you know, just I'm walking out the door facing you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning my back on you. But, um, um, and then, uh, so so Capital, I had a friend. I did, I did the, um, I started working with Abel Ferrara. That name sounds um, so familiar, Abel Ferrara. King of New York. Okay. And um, he kept calling me, asking me to to do the, put the music in his movie, King of New York. And I kept saying, nah, you know, I'm good. I'm working on my album. Um, and, um, uh, but he, he started, he was using the music um, as I was turning it into RCA, who, who distributed it. And to, to Kind of like told him that I said that he could use it, and they and they believed him, and he put it in the movie, and he and he he, he um sent the limo for me, and and I went to the to the screening, and he was like, I think I think I know who you are, you're a film composer. He said, if you're the one, are you? And he asked me, he was like, kept asking me, and still to this day, people ask me, like, do you who does all the music? And I was like, well, I do all the music. And it was still, and he was like, are you sure? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, I'm in the fucking room. <laughs> so we started working. And then um, after I left job and went to um, Capitol, he just pulled me aside. He was like, school, he said, I don't, I don't think the music business is for you, man. He said, first of all, you're too black for black radio. And second of all, it was like, he was like, he described me and he used Prince. He said, you know how Prince, it's part of R and B, but he's to the right side of R and B. You're part of hip hop and rap, but you're to the right. They just didn't understand school. They did, it was like it just it's just to the right, and you, have, you, you and it's like it's and it's. But the thing is, it was easier. It was easier to play Prince on the radio because he was he was still stuck around R and B and soul, so he had a category. There was no category for me, you know. So, yeah. so they couldn't. There was no time slot for my type of rap anymore, um, because it was it was um, the art was taken out of it. Because in the beginning, those those first five ten years, we were really rap artists and artists who rapped. They were we really looked at, we, were, we were looked at as poets and somebody special, and somebody to look up to. Like we were we were looked at as the future Langston Hughes, you know what I'm saying. And the Baldwins, we were looked at as as that. Um, so after after like then like ninety one came, and it was like it was always it was a, it was it started to change really different. And Abel was just like, dude, let me let me explain something to you about music and what you're doing. It's like if you even if you make a hit record right now, it's going to be a hit record for about a year, and then you have to wait another twenty years before it become a classic before you start making money on it again. If you make music for film, it's like in the film you get paid. Then it goes to the dollar films. Then it goes to to 
to the to the VCR stores, and then it goes to the DVDs, and then all of a sudden it goes to ABC and NBC, and goes to HBO, it's a Showtime. Then forever, making money. Forever, your music will be heard forever and forever and ever and, and ever, and it's like and, and you and, and more people will hear that, and you could be you could be as as artistic as you want to be. Um, so around ninety one is when. I think it's like it's like like gangsta gangsta rap really started kicking, and you know I was I was in Cannes, help promote a movie, and um, you know it's kind of like I looked up and um, around '95 and gangsta rap was the biggest it was, it was it was about to become the biggest selling music all over the world because it was. Um, because it was, it, 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 it was, it was right. I saw that. I saw that. Like, because people who did hardcore rap back then had to be authentic. Because the reason why it had to be authentic is because you wasn't getting no videos, wasn't doing no, no, no big radio, radio play. And MTV was barely playing hip hop. It was playing like, like really danceable, like kid and play hip hop stuff like that. So. Us hardcore guys had to be authentic. It was no faking back then. It was no fake. We had to. We had to be telling. They didn't have to be one hundred percent real stories, but we had to be one hundred percent authentic about it. Because still, some of the stuff, you know, like you know, uh, some of the stuff could be fantasized about something we want to do. But most of the most of the stuff was 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 realistic. We was telling real. We was telling real stories, and it, and they all didn't have to be about us. When it started somewhere around 95, 96, 7, when all of a sudden it was like if you were a hardcore rapper, everything you said out your mouth had to be about you as part of what killed it. But but back then we had to be we had to be authentic. Like my I'm I'm gonna say my first five albums were extremely authentic and they got just the more authentic they they got, the less radio wanted to deal with school leaders. Yeah, I mean you could feel that authenticity, you know, yeah. when you when you're, when you're rhyming, um, one hundred percent. And then, so you're in the forefront. You're in the forefront yeah. of 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 hip hop, uh, pioneer, original gangster. And then you got dudes coming up kind of after you, somewhat real close to you though was Ice T in the sense of like, you know, music. I remember seeing Ice T. I think in Breaking One. And he was yeah. the song Reckless. I was like, who's this dude? That beat was so, you know, everything was so yeah. right. Yeah. Um, the movie wasn't all that great. You know, it was like, whatever, you know, uh, with, you know, hip, it wasn't really to me too much of a, like a real good hip hop movie, but it was, uh, it was good to, to that we had. Yeah. That yeah, it was. I remember yeah. I, I saw, I thought break it. So Ice T's there. And then you got also out of, uh, out of Fifth Ward, Texas, you had the Ghetto Boys, right? Yeah. Uh, and then NWA, and then you had you know a bunch of dudes coming up after you. Did any of those people reach out to you? You know they did. Stop bullshit. <laughs> I want to know some of these stories. I want to know what did Ice T when, when when you got on the phone call when Ice T when finally was like, oh my god, I oh Schoolie will call me back or I'm gonna get on the phone. What was going on? I want to hear about Ice T. I want to hear. Well, about I was, I was, I was, I was, I was on tour with the Two Live Crew. I. I I spent plenty. Man, I spent a lot of time in Miami. I was either in Miami, I was in Europe, uh, or New York. I was um, 
traveling and um, I really got to tell the story again. So many stories I can't tell again, man. Because, but I'm gonna tell this one. And and I used to call. And back in the day, if you were, if you really wanted me to do something, everybody knew on the streets. You just call school of these mama. And my, I swear to God, mama. I said, you know, she. And my mother was just like, I promised this boy when you came home. And she was from the south, and she, and she was just because she, I was tired of shit. I was just was I was with, I was with, hanging up Mister Mix for like a month. You know how crazy those. I gotta hear. I'm gonna ask him. I'm gonna, we're gonna get him on the show. Maybe we'll get you back on too at the same time. We'll be great. And, um, Come on, schooly, spit it um, out. And so I get home. I'm tired of shit. My mother was just like you know, she sat me down. She took me upstairs. Got. Got got me on the phone and she was just like she made me dial it. She sat there while while we called and George picked it picked up the phone and talked and um Ice got on the phone and said, I wanted to play you something it's the West Coast PSK and I want you to hear it and, you know, see if you like it before I put it out. And I was I I instantly loved that because that put the that shit got me, man. And it was just like You played six in the morning? Yeah. And um incredible record too. And um I said, dude, this shit was dope. And I fell asleep for three days. Um You said you fell asleep for three days? Yeah, man, I was tired of shit. <laughs> I would say, dude, for three days that you were in a coma. And, and I woke up and my mother said they called back and you know, she told them I was asleep and they cause they didn't they didn't think I really said yeah. And I was like, Yeah, but it's cool. So, you know. Um, so then Ice was like I was like, dude, I got to sleep. I was on my way to do the Saturday night tour in um, in Europe and in, in the UK, um, and I was going to be over there a month and month and a half or something like that. And he said, you know, I want to bring you out to LA, do some concerts with me, so we can usher in this gangster shit together over here. That's um, And but I just, you know, I should have took a break because I didn't, I didn't stop in Philly. Um, because over there, it's like you're doing you're doing shows, and it's like you're doing like hour long sets, like four a week. I was tired of shit because that was we just that was the that was just the beginning of rappers doing more than their three hits. You know what I'm saying? It was like all this. It was like it was do, do your three hits, get paid your money, get the fuck off stage, and another rapper come on. We started doing like real tours, and it was like really they they was wrecking havoc on on my throat, and um. I should have stopped in Philly for a couple of days, but I just went straight from from London to LA, and I got there, man. I was dead sick, and um, and T, uh, he understood, and it's, it was just like, you know, get get a couple of days rest. But I think you should go up to Oakland, um, and go to San Francisco to this club called Aviate, and he set up a club there, and he performed the whole show, but he, and he performed like both sets. Well, I said his set, but his his music. And um, that's when um, I'm, I go up there and I see Too Short and, you know, start performing up there. And um, so that was, that was cool. And then, then we, we would see each other all, on and off and, you know, we would cross each other's paths. Um, that's but, really dope. How, how, was the, how was the vibe? Because, you know, back then there was like, you know, we had that whole East Coast, West Coast feud, you know, who's this, that, or the other. I wasn't, I didn't. I but didn't. It was weird because I didn't. I didn't. I didn't belong with nobody. Yeah, you, were you know what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I, could, sure. I couldn't do the New York stuff. Yeah, and I, I couldn't do that. the West Coast stuff. Um, so yeah, it was just like, and I was, and both of those, both of those, both of those towns kind of like they really supported me, but it was just like I, I was from Philly. Um, I think I think the one in New York hurt me because they invited me, and then I go up and then they uninvite me. But they, you know, um, was New York hating on on Philly back then? Because you know, New York. No, I, think, I think it was like I, I think New York was, was little I bitches think, back then. No, 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 no I felt it, was, that. it was um no they they, I man, felt I, they were the most I, one. I, I sold more records in New York than I did in Philly. All right, all right, point taken. Point you know, taken. I still sell more records in New York than I'm doing Philly, and it's Philly's Philly's. Philly raised me, and New York helped me be become who I am. You know, uh, I'd like to jump in for a second on that note. Yeah. You're talking about New York and Philly because I also want to mention the West Coast. You know, I didn't know you were still here. Well, you know, so <laughs> I'm waiting for Hef to give me a fucking minute to say something. Now, yeah. I'm just actually, actually, it's just you know, school. Uh, we've been, you know, I figure, you know, I should. I like to listen and. Uh, I like to listen to your stories, man. I know them all. I heard them all, but it's great to listen. I'd be a listener in the room, too. But we're talking about the West Coast, right? Right. And uh, Philly and New York. And I was really um, surprised, pleasantly surprised. I had the uh, pleasure of uh, working with school. He brought me out on some gigs uh, he was doing with uh, Public Enemy and uh, some other groups. And when we went out to the West Coast, and played like I'm used to Schooley in Philly, right? And how he was saying he sold more records in New York than in Philly. Well, when we were on the West Coast, um, and he goes into like Saturday night or Gucci time or whatever, and I hear the whole Nukia Theater, which was packed, singing along to his songs. Like I know him from Schooley, who comes and hangs out with me on my gigs, and and we we work on tunes and whatever, but. Schooly, uh, when he like, when I got into the hip hop scene, I'm I'm like kind of uh, not really from the hip hop culture. I was introduced to it from by Schooly and uh, some other people, and um, seeing uh, the adulation uh, on the West Coast, it really. I heard a saying once. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but no one's a prophet in their own hometown, and I don't know if that's me. Jesus, Jesus said that. Okay, he's a cool dude, I guess, you know, (laughs) but, you know, when I saw like, you know, everybody was at this, LL Cool J was there, Ice Cube was there, and the whole room, when Schooly hit his set, the whole room just lit up and sang all the words, and then I was like, wow, I had, I had no idea that I looked at Schooly a little differently at that point, you know, Uh, I always uh, learned a lot from Schooly, it's funny because uh, the whole gangster rapper thing and Everything, it's all authentic, but also, uh, you know, uh, watching him uh, just the way he did. He was do-it-yourself before I think do-it-yourself was (laughs) do-it-yourself. He was making his own album covers. His artwork is in has been in Sotheby's on auction. Uh, I don't even know if I said the name right. Uh, But, uh, you know, uh, he's been a do-it-yourself guy from Jump Street. and He's the star of the show, bro. The the way, <laughs> for sure. No, for sure. And but I really like the way you put that uh, when you know if we're talking about uh. you're an artist who raps because I've I've seen that uh, you know I've truly I've truly seen that uh, you know there's so much uh, depth and not only 
too schooly, but it seems like that generation has so much depth. When he took me on that tour, and I saw Public Enemy, like I never knew schooly, I never knew uh, Flavor Flav played all the instruments that he did, uh, and, oh, and so these cool. guys, these guys were so talented. And sometimes in the media, and uh, you see them in this one or two dimension as as their artistry like you see schooly like i remember schooly had a a video on mtv for i was it i can't stand rock and roll or i don't like rock and roll but you see this one dimension but when you really see them you're like wow they have all this depth to them and i mean is there any uh like like what i i just don't know like like nowadays it seems like every artist has to do that but back in the day, it seemed like no artist wanted to do that. But yet you chose it for yourself to wear all those yeah. hats. And how the fuck did you find the discipline and time? Like, did you get that from your parents or, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, dang, I grew up, we grew up in this, I grew up in the sixties where it was kind of just like, it was, um, it was, I had, it was, it was like, it was still black barbershops and black hat shops and, you know, black dress shops, and you know, it was like it was like still like a black part of town where it was like, um, where it was like like black businesses, like right then, like right there, and um, and our parents were just like they, it was like it's just like either worked hard or you died, and back then people, um, it was even though it was segregated, it was hard. It was like all you had was your dreams. And so it was up to you to believe in your dreams. And I was like, I was watching dreams come true, like all around me. You know what I'm saying? It was, I was watching all these famous poets and these famous actors and these famous musicians. And because, and the thing about it was there was no AM radio. There was no FM radio. It was only AM. Then one day it was FM radio. And FM, once FM radio turned on, it was like, it was, we were done. It was done. It was over for me. It was like, oh, shit. I could be, um, I could be Red Fox or Wildman Steve or Richard Pryor with with music, and they'll play me on the radio. So I, I felt, uh, I, you know, what I'm saying I was like ten, and like, I, and it's, it's weird. At ten, I felt free. I was like, it was, it was like freedom. Like, oh, things started opening up, and 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 you know, I can, I can paint. And I can write music. I can play drums. I can cuss, and I can be political. I, I saw all those things happening at that age because that's what people. That's where we were. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say um, as a race, but that's what. And the things that I learned it was like our art and our poetry and our music is the thing that propelled us forward. Every twenty years, we would come up with something new. It's like is it, it rock and roll or bebop or jazz or funk or soul. We was it was like pow, 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 pow. Until now it's like the last there's no new black music, no new black renaissance going on right now. But you understand what I'm saying? So I was growing up watching or from our fathers, for our grandfathers, great friend, great grandfather, they all had something new to propel them. So it was like I was just like I was working hard. Um, waiting for my turn, and, and I think it was a lot of other cats like me all over all over America, wait studying and working hard for their turn because we knew it was going to come up, and it just 
and it came, it came. I mean, it was like New York was being devastated by heroin and and, and gangs, and, and and you understand what I'm saying? So it was, but but right before that was the same thing. Right before that was the same thing. Right before that was the same thing. Right before that was all. Every generation had had, and I'm just I'm just speaking in, in the black and brown community. Every 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 generation had their problems, but every generation the young folks figured out and they figured it out through poetry, through music, and through art. And then sports was coming up. Then all you know what I'm saying, all of a sudden the the the, the Dr. J's was coming out. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, whoa. And it, it was like all this inspiration. So it was kinda like you couldn't I didn't I thought I was doing something for my people. I didn't want to fail. It wasn't. It wasn't so personal. What I did was gangster, but it wasn't so personal. It was just about me, and that's why my stories weren't just about my stories. You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of like it wasn't. I wasn't going to fail because I wanted to be part of the next wave, which I was. So I was ready for it. So that's that's what made me. That's what, and that was my foundation. As long as you had your foundation. You couldn't be, you could, I couldn't be swayed. Nobody could tell me like, you can't do, you can't say that. You can't do that. You can't draw that. You can't be that way. Nobody could tell me I couldn't because I watched generations before me do the same thing. And I've heard the stories of the people who did it. People tell them they couldn't do it. So I, I, I had ammunition. For sure, man, for sure. I mean, and that's great. And basically, I guess the the, uh, the summary is, you know, you just, you you realize that at a very early age that you got to grind and you, you got to hustle and nobody's going to get it done if you don't do it for yourself. And I think it's a great message uh, just for anybody who is, who is coming up in music, especially these days with uh, now it seems like everything, you got to do it yourself. Uh, so uh, I know Hef wanted to play some music too, and there might be some other questions in the room. But hey, school, I know we're getting close to ten. I I wanted to. Just... Oh yeah, I gotta go to sleep. But I just wanted to, uh, you know, uh, give up the mic, but but thank you on uh, on the air real quick here. So to speak, Schooly, for uh, hanging out with us. Really yeah. appreciate it, and also everybody in the room. You know, we got everybody in here, but. Uh, have uh, I think you want to play a song or maybe some people want to ask a question? Yeah, let me I want to play some music. I just want to go back a little bit and uh, yeah. play a couple of the original like, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, stuff that, you know, like PSK and Gucci time. Uh, uh, and then I want to open it up, Schoolie, if you're OK with that. I want to open yeah. it up yeah. to some audience people that I'm sure they want to yeah. ask questions. And um, yeah, I know you have to go to sleep because that's um, uh, what all people do. Uh, but uh, I'm kidding. Because yeah, I was up for three days. <laughs> right, dude. Uh, I know we're not gonna we're gonna run out of time, so I would love to have you come back so we can do like a part two of this thing, and then uh, yeah. yeah, just because man, we could talk to you all day long. There's just so much that we just haven't gotten into, but I'm gonna play the song right now, so everybody enjoy. Check this out. Thank <laughs> you. 
Ice cream, we're making that green. People always say, what the hell is that mean? Being for the people, you can't understand. A one whole boy became a man. As for the way you scream and shout, one by one, I'm knocking out. Came for the way my DJ cutting. Other MCs, man, you ain't saying nothing. Rocking on to the break of dawn. I bank no money, your time is on. Making that green, people don't say what the hell is that mean? Being for the people who can't understand, a one whole boy became a man. As for the way you scream and shout, one by one, I'm knocking it out. Came for the way my DJ cut. Other MCs, man, you ain't saying nothing. Rocking on to the brink of dawn, they go running your time is sore. Sand fly lady, now you're looking real nice. Sweeter than a honey, sugar, and spice. Told her my name was Aunt Schooly D. All about making that cash money. I said, Schooly D, I know your game. Heard about you in the Hall of Fame. I said, if I'm a mama, I tell you no lies. Cause all I want to do is to get you high and uh, lay down and do the body rock. Took a walk to the corner, I got into the car. Took a little trip to a fancy bar. Count some blue, some chase, some coke. Tell you now, brother, this ain't no joke. She got me to the crib, she laid me on the bed. I fucked up on my toes to the top of my head. I finally realized the girl was some war. Gave it ten dollars, she asked me for some more. Beers came when making that green. People always say, what the hell is that mean? People for people who can't understand. A one whole boy became a man. As for the way you scream and shout, one by one, I'm knocking out. Came for the way my DJ cut. Other MCs, when you ain't seen nothing. Rocking on to the break of dawn. I think your money, your time is on. Cheaper, I was feeling alright. Then my homie, homie, called me on the phone. He was calling Told me about this party on the south side. Count my pistol, jump the super ride. Got at the bar, count some black. Count some cheaper, cheaper, for one little whack. Got to the place, and who did I see? I saw the ass nigga trying to sound like me. 
Code money, your time is on. PSK, yeah. that was it for me right there, man. I just, <laughs> I could listen to that all day. I was over here, I had the mic off, but I was rapping. <laughs> I, just, I forgot to tell you, I'm wearing my shades. You know what I'm saying? You gotta wear your shades. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, on a on a real note, like when people would see me inside wearing my shades, and they would yeah. ask me, "Why are you wearing your shades?" And I would always say, "I'm not shit. You're not schooly." Mm-hmm. I would always say, "Because if I'm not wearing my shades, I'm not cool." That's right. All right. And I, <laughs> I swear to you, bro, I've been, I'll forever in a day continue to say that when people yeah. ask, why am I wearing my shades? Um, so, so, so Joel said you had a question. Me? No, somebody, you want to answer a question? Yes, yes. We're going to open up to uh, to the audience. I'm going to let uh, Liz up. We got Liz Mejia here. She's awesome lady. Uh, very influential in um, South Florida scene in uh, Web3. And just she has her own show also on Before Ours. I want to give her a shout out for that. That's the Baco Taco Tuesday. Liz has a show where they uh, uh, bring up independent artists as well and musicians and artists and stuff like this, which uh, opens up the door. It's really like an open forum. So, Liz, the mic is yours. we got legendary pioneer of hip-hop, Schoolie D here. So do it. Hey, BD. Uh, have what an introduction. Honestly, maybe not even worthy of such a, a, a high claim. So, but thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so what's up? Sorry, Liz? in Winwood oh, a little it. bit. But um, speaking of, actually, have I appreciate you mentioning the show because I do, and it's up and coming artists that obviously are very established and everything. What's one tip that you would give to uh, up and comers of just to like not give up and keep pursuing their dreams? Become a doctor. <laughs> also, don't even go this route. It's not even worth the headache. Well, look, man. As if it, look, I got. If you're not, if you're not trying to change the world, then don't talk to me. If you, if you're just trying to line your pockets, you got other people to talk to. Um, um, I can give somebody advice. I can only give advice to people who want to change the world. I said, it's like, and if the, if the question's not direct, directly from them, then I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't, I don't have a. Every time I try to give some general advice about what I did, you know, cats look at me like they, they, they not trying to do that. It's too hard. So I, I can, I can only, I can only talk to cats who's trying to change the world because that's, because that's, because that's what I did, and I think. Um, um, I think I think the people who try who are trying to change the world should should be at the front of the line. And right now, they're somewhere in the middle or the back because so many people trying to line their pockets and get vodka deals and be on TV and you know. And um, 
I was talking to a cat the other day, and, and you know, he was dying to talk to me. I said, so why you want to do this? And he said, he, he's just, he, 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 he's trying to say, he's just trying to sell out. He's just trying to get, he's trying to get somebody to look at his product so he can sell it. I was like, what the fuck are you talking to me for then? I'm not going to help you do that shit. I'm not going to help you water down what we do and people live and breathe and die for this. I'm not going to help you do that shit. Eat a dick. So there you go. Yeah. Liz, you could ask another question if you got one. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't stop. No, there. no, that's, a, that's a, uh, actually a great answer. You know, it's not an all applies for everyone. Um, I would like to know what's your into uh, what's your intention on the blockchain? Do you plan on releasing anything soon on it, or um, is this something that's here? On the what? The what? blockchain. On the blockchain, Web three blockchain. You know where where technology. I want to chime in on this if I could. So, yeah, please do. Uh, so, so anyway, this is still an interesting story, and I'll get, uh, I know we're getting late too. Uh, but uh, so we really aren't. A show about the blockchain. We we mix music and tech. But an interesting story. Schooly actually came to me. I think school was this about three years ago. And you yeah. were like, "Hey, Jules, man, I hear about this NFT thing. Like, we should get <laughs> on it." It was way early when Schooly brought it up. Yeah. And I said to Schooly, "Oh man, that shit's a scam." I like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, so here I am after everybody like killed it. And but anyway, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But kind of half serious though but schoolie is so ahead of everything on this stuff he's still uh, so relevant and on point he brought this that blockchain and stuff up to me before i even knew about it now here i've been playing around in it for three years but you know schoolie's not doing stuff on the blockchain now and that's just an aspect of our uh, show like we talk about music tech but our guests don't necessarily know about that but definitely appreciate you bringing it up liz because it's something that we're kind of uh I don't know, for lack of a better word, we're kind of massaging the two together and creating a synergy. So we're all about the technology and we're all about artists and we're trying to figure it out as we go. And we think the best way to do that sometime is to just talk and see what happens. Uh, So anyway, I'll step down from the mic now. But Liz, you're awesome. I love your questions. And Schooly, I really uh, dug your your answer to Liz on the artist thing. It was, was really genuine and I think... That's what artists need to hear, man. Let's change the fucking world, people. Okay, I'll step off the mic now. Well, as far as like the, the whole, yeah, I was, I was trying to get into it, like, oh my, yeah, three and a half years ago, whatever, and, and all the cats that I was, um, I was talking to or trying to work with, it's like, you know, one day they were like, they had like ten million dollars or a million dollars, and two weeks later they were fucking broke. <laughs> so it just kind of, it was like it was just I just got tired of dealing dealing with the up and the down and up and the down. Um, um, so of course, and then you know I was and I started more and I love I love technology. Uh, I love the technology of like how like how like I can create music anywhere I want. I can create music on my laptop. I can create music in the studio. I can create music on my phone. I love all that great. The 21st century is great. I love the fact that, you know, when I go do a show, um, I can just email. I don't have to bring all my records. Um, um, I miss bringing my drum machines and stuff. I don't have to. I can just bring my laptop or, or I can just um, um, email email the set to the promoter when I get there. My music's there. It sounds perfect. 
I love that part of um, of of performing. You know, even if I, even if I'm playing with a band, a live band, I can I can I can mix something right there and like take out the bass and have a bass guy playing um, live music. I love that part of it. But um, as far as selling the music, um, I just released a new record and, and I just did. You know, it was like it was more profitable and less headache for me to to make start making records again. And plus, I do a lot of painting, and um, and the NFT thing, it kept going up and down. And then I just start making money painting and having people just buy it. Um, um, so I haven't, I really just, I haven't, I haven't met somebody who can, who I've actually trusted to actually do some things. And I just did like a, a couple lucrative um, deals. I got a guy in LA named Chris Nab. Um, who's like reissuing, like putting like physical records out? He's reissuing like all my old '90s stuff and all um, and albums. And it was like, so I just I'm finding out that you know the analog world is starting to come back around. Um, and it's taking up my it's it's, take, it's taking up my time, and because it's all the guys that I met in the the digital world who wants to sell music or sell art. It just seemed they, they seemed shadier than the than the early hip hop guys. Does that answer your question? Yes, yes, it does. Okay. <laughs> oh man, schooly school man. How the fuck did you get so cool, man? Yeah. Practice. Uh, practice. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for your questions. Always love having you here. Um, she always ask great questions, man. She's, she's really good digging a little bit. Uh, and I'm glad she actually did ask about the blockchain because that stuff is super important. And thanks for your, your take on it too, Schooly. I want to open the mic up. We got one more person, uh, Miss Hennessy, uh, longtime uh, listener. She's part of the fam. Um, so, uh, Miss Hennessy, the mic is all yours. Hey, hey, thanks so much. You know, no, I'm not your uh, father. Yeah, yeah, no. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm still. I'm like I have one foot into the blockchain, but I'm still I'm a fundraiser for you know for nonprofits and Greenpeace and Amazon Watch, and so I'm always on a funding deadline. But I want I just I had a comment and a question. I wanted to okay. say that uh, that anyway. I just wanted to say it's such a pleasure to listen to you. I'm of the same generation. I'm a '67 baby, and a lot yeah. of the music that you grew up with those were my favorites too. A lot of influences. Yeah. I'm Minneapolis, so you know, of course. Prince was part of my oh, yeah. <laughs> high school years, you know, yeah. driving around the lakes in a, in a little yeah. red convertible, you know, cranking Prince. Yeah. But it's just been a pleasure to hear about your background and your stories and all the depth and learn more about the ins and outs of the music industry. So I would, you know, if you're on, I, I, would, yeah. I would second the call for you to be on a second episode. And then yeah. I wanted to ask, like, you know, I find kind of nowadays a lot of the newer music I feel like it doesn't have always have doesn't always have as much kind of soul and musicality and depth. Who would you suggest I listen to? Who am I missing out on? Um, you know what? You gotta listen to all the new Redman stuff. Um, and as far as and as far as I just I just found this on Instagram. Um, I just found three fucking hot. Female rappers just killing that shit. I listen to every day. I can't. I would have to like, you know what? I can. I can. Um. I don't know how if I can like, a copy and paste and send it to send it to um. Yeah, get it to, us. to we'll, we'll Yeah, pop. because 
man, I'm trying to promote them. This man, these motherfuckers, this chick is bad. It was like, I'm like, God damn. I'm like, damn. I fucking like took screenshots and I put them in my garage bed just so I can listen to them during the day, just so I can I can get I sent them and I sent them out to like some of my homies who the dudes, young dudes who say they hardcore, like, nah, motherfucker. <laughs> you gotta see these three women right here. Say hardcore. And and all the new red man stuff, all the new freestyles he's coming out with. And I just feel like um it's it's, it's gonna have to if if Instagram or something like if if, if, that, yeah. if that's the if that's the new underground. Interesting. I didn't realize if, Insta was a place to really find a lot of new music. But it's, it's, I guess suggestions. Like I, I, I guess um, um, I, I just start following a couple of people and then um, activists, and then they listen to music, and then they give me music suggestions. And um, uh-huh. it's like so. This last couple, this last month, everything, everything I've been hearing has been blowing my mind because it's just like um, it's a, it's in a. It's personal, and they're attacking like the whack shit, which is cool, which is very cool. But I'm kind of hoping that after they finish attacking those whack MCs, that they get into like politics and spirituality the way we were going, and, and mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying and retake and, re-take and re- make people rethink mm-hmm. poetry and hip hop because it's a it's a it's a true fucking art form, and I think every true art form gets manipulated by the man every now and then. But I think it's been too, it's been like 20 years. It's been too fucking long. It's been too fucking, they've been manipulating this shit. It's been too long. So that might be the new underground. Mm-hmm. That might be the new underground because they're, because you really can't, all the underground clubs that I've been going through, they, they play all this murder, murder, murder music and the, the audience is really, they, yeah, they, they they got red eyes. They just like they don't just mm. they don't dance and they don't get it and you know don't so dance. yeah, my niggas don't dance no more. But, just, <laughs> but, these, but but so the, so the underground clubs, you know, it's, it's it's murder, murder, murder. Like all like it's Philadelphia. It's just, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cats, cats, real poets who got something to say. They, they don't want to get murdered. You know what I'm saying? No. They don't want to. They don't want to be part of this kill bill shit that's going on so i think i think that um they, they're, they're going to instagram and putting their songs on instagram and they're reaching motherfuckers just kind of like how like how people heard you know the first um too short or the first schoolie d or the first two live crew they didn't hear it on the radio they didn't hear it mainstream when we thought you was going to hear it you heard it when you were supposed to hear it you know, yeah, you understand what I'm saying, where you, where, and, you, and where you can support it. Um, I'm sorry, uh, I feel bad that it's not live, but it's the 21st century, and if this is how they're gonna, you know, and we, and we got a couple years left, so for AI take over and murder us. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go out with a let's go out with a party. <laughs> let's go with a fucking party, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, I'm starting, I'm starting to babble. I'm going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> no, Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Ms. Hennessy. Appreciate you coming up and, and uh, uh, talking to Schoolie and speaking. Liz, thank you so much for coming up. I want to shout out to Rune real quick. Uh, Golden, thank you for being here. Burn Dog, I know he left. Evie, thank you so much. Uh, Mint, yeah. uh, shout, shout out to Ice T and Chuck Dave. Yeah, Ice T. Cold Money. 
DJ Code Money. Cookie Rabinowitz. That's right. <laughs> no. Uh, and I want to thank Schooly D also for, for um, you know, blessing us with his presence today and his time. Thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. We're going to definitely do a part two. We'll figure yeah. that out. We'll figure it out because we didn't get into Sotheby's really too deep. We didn't get into Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Force we didn't yeah. get into really deep into these soundtracks and yeah. hanging with Larry Fishburne and all that. Yeah, good stuff. yeah motherfucker. Yeah, we want to get back into that. And when I come up to visit Cookie, you and I were going to smoke some kill. That's for sure. And we'll go get a cheesesteak probably. Uh, probably. So, so thank you, Schooly man. I greatly right. appreciate you, bro. I'm going to uh, end the show with uh, Gucci time. Uh, so, everyone, thank you so much, man. Next week, I just want to let everyone know before I get into the song. Next week, we've got a uh, special guest, Corey Van Lu. Not a lot of people know that he's a musician. Didn't know that. So, he's going to come on. We're going to talk about music, art, what's happening, and um, keep it moving. Okay. Right. I am always. Thank you, Schooly. All right. I'm up. <laughs>